You can hope the best, make a wish. The only answer is, we give this world back to God. So we began our series, What Would God Say, last week with politics and religion. What would God say to politics and religion? And that's available online if you want to keep up with the series, if you missed it, or on your Spring Branch Community Church app on your smartphone. You can check that out. Today, we're talking about what would God say to the church? What would God say to the church and to you? Ephesians chapter 4. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So Christ gave himself, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Jesus Christ set people in places with gifts for one reason, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up, so that you may be built up, so that you may be strong, you may be mature, you may be able to to get the job done. So it's a group of people that God designed to change the world. He put coaches in place and teachers in place and people who were going going to determine the way we should go together. He said, but the, the main thing, the main thing is equipping people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. 1 Timothy 4. Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, is of some value. Four teams have had physical training, and they will face off this afternoon and this evening. There is some value to that. We're going to see who is going to play in the Super Bowl. There is some value to that. But godliness supersedes that. Godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. But there's something that can easily go off the the rails. There's something that that can easily take us sideways. And Jesse Owens spoke about it. He, He He said these words, there is something that can happen to every athlete, every human being. It's the instinct to slack off, to give in to the pain, to give less than your best. So there's that tension in life all the time. It's in sports, it's in politics, it's in education, it's in the the legal field, it's in church. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The other day I was, I was at the gym. I'm in my 
fifth year being at the gym. I don't like it. I don't want to go. I still go. I say, ah, oh, I have to go to the gym all the time. But then I saw this up on the wall, this whiteboard, and it intrigued me. So I went over to it to read what it said, and it just stuck with me. If your why is persistent, you will get it. If your why is consistent, you will keep it. Find your why and don't give up. A lot of it is about finding your why, your calling, your why, and then not giving up, and then being everything God wants you to be and doing everything God wants you to do. But there is something that can happen to every athlete, every human being. It's the instinct to slack off, to give in to the pain, to give less than your best. What would God say to the church and you? What would God say to us? Tom Rainier, in his book, Nine Traits of the Outwardly Focused Christian, tells us about the five traps of what he calls churchianity. The five traps of churchianity, which is just going through the motions, not really finding the why, and not really being persistent or consistent, but just kind of going through the motions. And he says, here are the five traps. Church is a spectator sport. I show up, I watch what happens, I leave, I go back to the overwhelming agendas of my life, to all the things that I have to do, and I, I don't think a lot more about it, but I, I, I go and I, and I watch things happen. Church is about me is the second trap of churchianity. How does this pay off for me? How do I get to feel better? What's happening that's going to benefit my life? How can I check off a little checkbox of the things that, that I want? Church is about dwelling on its flaws is another part, another trap of churchianity. It's easy. It's easy to talk about flaws. You know that, and I know that, and it's, it's a big part of the society that we live in. And there's, there are flaws everywhere because we are flawed, and, and we're not perfect, and we don't get it right, and, and we say the wrong thing, or do the wrong thing, or go where we shouldn't go. But in the church, we have something that we've brought into our culture, in this church right here, and we got it from another church that shared it with us, pro-better. Pro-better says, yeah, there's a flaw. Yeah, there's something that, that didn't go right. Yeah, there's something that we need to, to fix. Let's see what is pro-better and do that. Let's get pro-better. And discussions in Christianity are about pro-better stuff. Discussions in churchianity is about Oh, look at what happened. Oh, can you believe that? Oh, can you, do you see what's going on over there? Church is about dwelling on its flaws. Church has low expectations. Let me tell you something. If you have low expectations, you never fail. When you have high expectations, you fail. You have to fail because you have to try stuff and some of that stuff doesn't work. I've had the great experience over the last 25 years of watching Willow Creek Community Church in Chicago grow and develop and change and, and morph and, and do all kinds of things out in Chicago and all over the world. And here's what I'm going to tell you. They have failed a lot. They have tried some stuff and some big stuff, and they have failed. And I've witnessed it, and I've talked to, to some of their, their staff members, their staff leaders about it. But it's because they tried to do great things that they failed. We are going to fail 
but let's fail while we're trying to do great things. Let's fail with a big vision, a big hope, a big, a big dream. Churchianity is low expectations, things that we can do in our sleep. We can do them walking backwards with our eyes closed. And the fifth trap of churchianity to spectator sports about me, it's about dwelling on flaws, it's about having low expectations. He says, church has blockades and fuzzy maps. Church has blockades and fuzzy maps. I want to do this, but I don't seem to be able to do this. I don't know why. I feel kind of blocked or, you know, I'm not sure. You know, one of the big questions that comes up is, is how do I get to be a member? What do you have to do to, to be a member? Uh, it looks a little fuzzy, and, and I have to accept that criticism because it has been fuzzy for, for a while. You know, not too long ago, I talked about in a service the five G's of membership. Let me just bring it to you briefly. Again, it's not, it's not difficult. It's real easy to remember. Five G's of membership. Grace, growth, groups, gifts, and grace giving. Grace means you know that Jesus Christ died for you and you have received him to be your Savior and Lord. Grace. Growth means you lean into growing. That's why we just had faith and life classes upstairs. Big kickoff today. That's why, we have, that's why we had a men's breakfast yesterday. It's why there are all kinds of women's ministries all the time, just about everywhere, in the evening, in the morning, women getting together, studying together, praying for each other. It's why there's, there's a prayer time in this church. It's why you can come up and have prayer after church. It, it's, it's stuff that goes on for kids. It's a wanna. It's everything is designed so that we can engage and grow. So where do you engage and grow? Grace, growth, groups means that life care happens best in a group of people that you can know each other and you can learn from each other and, and support each other and pray for each other and, and look in each other's faces and do life together. So where do you do that in a group that's a smaller size than what's happening right now? Grace, growth, groups, gifts. Gifts is spiritual gifts. It's, it's how God has equipped you to do the work of ministry. Maybe you have a gift of working with children or a gift of working with students. Maybe you have a, a gift of wisdom, uh, a gift of teaching that you can connect inside of the, the ministry of the church with. So you need to know your gift, and we're, we're trying to help people know their gifts better. Grace, growth, groups, gifts, grace giving. Grace giving is, is what Stephanie was talking about. We want to create the future. We want to create it not theoretically, we want to really create it. And to create it takes all of us together, all of us knowing that we will one day have a legacy. We will one day leave something to the next generation. So connect to that legacy. Sign up for a lunch. Come to a dinner. Lean in and be a part of grace giving. All that God has given you. He's given you 100% of everything that you have. And he says, Help me. Help me build the future. Let's do this together. Grace, growth, groups, gifts, grace giving. And right before we have on February the 11th. Now, February the 11th is the Sunday after the Super Bowl. There is no football. There is nothing. It's just over for a while. Okay, and March Madness hasn't even started yet. So that Sunday, we're going to have an early membership orientation meeting right before the members update meeting. So February 11th, mark it down. You can come. You could sign up. You can get the orientation. You can become a member and start building the future of Spring Branch Community Church. But the traps of Christianity sometimes derail us. The traps of Christianity 
befuddle us, beleaguer us. I was at the men's breakfast yesterday. It was, it was a good breakfast with a great speaker. There's another one that's coming up real soon. Um, it's just something that just builds into your life as a man. And, and the speaker was great. One thing that really hit me was a quote that Bob Gant used, our director of men's ministry, as he was introducing the speaker. He said, you know, I, I really, you all know I like Mark Batterson stuff, and I want to read you something from Mark Batterson. This is what he read. A Christian's purpose isn't to arrive safely in death, but to have an insatiable desire to live every day like it is the first and last day of your life. It's an infectious enthusiasm that comes only from being filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. It's not something that you do. You don't manufacture it on your own. You just say, God, do this in me. Do this with me. I need you today to motivate me. I need you today to give me a bigger vision than I might have. I need you to save me from churchianity and, and lead me into real live action Christianity. Christianity's purpose, a Christian's purpose, isn't to arrive safely in death, but to have an insatiable desire to live every day like it is the first and last day of your life. Colossians chapter 3, the message. So, so, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. And so often, as you read the New Testament, that's, that's one of the big overarching teachings of the New Testament. See things the way God sees things. See things the way Christ saw things when he was here and the way he sees them now as he builds his church. See things from his perspective. So, chosen by God for his new life of love, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Well, what's the wardrobe? Compassion, kindness, humility, quiet strength, discipline, be even-tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense. Quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. And regardless of what else you put on, regardless of, of anything else, wear love. It's your basic all-purpose garment. Never be without it. Regardless of what else you put on, wear love. It's your basic, all-purpose garment. You've been wondering about these. <laughs> these are one of my favorite pairs of pants. Favorite pair of pants. Um, yes, men have favorite pants. They just fit right. You just feel like you can conquer the world when you put on a pair of pants like this. These pants were tailored to fit me and, and nobody else. And I've, I've had them for about five or six years. I've done thousands of weddings in these pants, I exaggerate. I, I've done many, many weddings. I've attended weddings. I, I've, I've spoken to community events and 
and civic events in these pants. I've been here on Sunday morning in these pants, and these pants just have done the job. And so the other day, I was at an event, and, and, and suddenly I realized something has gone drastically wrong. Something has gone drastically wrong. use it as a vest. Uh, whoa! I'm at an event. I'm already there. It's already happening. I'm supposed to be a professional. You know, they, they arrest people for things like this. There are laws to protect humanity from this. Like, unbelievable. And I don't, I don't even know this, right? So I'm just at the event. All of a sudden, I feel a cool breeze. <laughs> Shouldn't be a cool breeze back there. <laughs> what in the world is going on? You know, I reach back. Oh, my word. You know, now I'm like walking backwards away from everybody. Hey, Michael, come over here. No, it's okay. I'll, I'll, see, you, I'll see you later. Uh, you know, I, 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 I look professional. I'm supposed to be a professional. You know, and, and just, it's, it's not happening. It's not happening. And here's, and God said, Michael, I have given you a parable of the pants. I said, oh, thanks. <laughs> a parable of the pants. Because a lot of us, you know, we, we think that we're all dressed up with this wardrobe. You know, this wardrobe, the wardrobe that God picked out. And we got these big holes in our pants. And, and everybody else knows it. Everybody else sees it, and they're going, oh, man. Like, what, what do you think you're doing? You know, and we just, we don't realize it until all of a sudden something happens, and the breeze hits us and straightens us up and makes us think a little bit. And I want to be a part of that, that breeze this morning to make you think. Is there, is there a big hole in your pants, in your Christian pants? Is there a big hole in what you're trying to do? You say that, that I'm really into this but it's more churchianity than it is Christianity. And I don't want to stand up here and make you feel bad. I just want to say this happens all over the world. It happens in American Christianity all the time where you got a lot of people with a lot of big holes in their pants and it's not looking really good for what God is trying to do. Did you ever stop and think, what does Jesus want from me? What does Jesus want from me? I was listening to a Defining Moments CD yesterday. It just kind of popped out of my office yesterday morning. If you saw my office, you would know what I mean when I say popped out. Uh, you know, there is a, there's one of my favorite books right there in my office, Messy Spirituality, because I think if you can have messy spirituality, you can have a messy office too. Um, but there was a, a former pastor, now a writer, who said this on the CD. To say I believe in Jesus then requires a follow-up question. Which Jesus is it that I believe in? It's a good question. Which Jesus is it that I believe in? Bill Hybels responded, 95% devotion to Christ is 5% short. I am consistently calling people out of casual Christianity, out of consumptive Christianity. He could have just as easily said, out of Churchianity, 95% devotion to Christ is 
5% short. These are not warm and fuzzy thoughts. A care bearer would not say these things to you. Which Jesus is it that I believe in? And so I, I just thought, these are just my thoughts. Uh, you know, different kinds of, of Jesuses that, that, we, that we believe in. There's a Jason Bourne Jesus. He always finds a way out. There's a make me feel better Jesus, which is a cousin to as long as everything goes my way, Jesus. There's the, if he jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? No, that was my mom. Sorry. Um, there's a wait, there's more Jesus. Wait, there's more. I get twice as much blessing just for believing. But the real Jesus said this in John chapter 6. This is after the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, after he walks on water and goes with his disciples to the other opposite side of the Sea of Galilee. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? See, they had this big meal, the fish and the bread, and, and they were like feeling good, and, and they didn't want to lose. This is like a good thing. They don't want to lose that. Rabbi, oh my goodness. We just happened to be walking around the whole Sea of Galilee, and, and here you are. When did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, because you ate the loaves and had your fill. You don't really want me. You just want stuff for you. And then he says this. I love this statement of Jesus. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life. Jesus is saying, you have income. You take that income and you buy food with it. I did this a couple weeks ago. I saw these amazing sesame hamburger buns at Farm Fresh, and I thought, oh, I'm going to make myself a, a sandwich, and there were eight of them, and, and they were $3.39. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to buy them, and, and so I bought them. I put them in the bread drawer. I used one a couple days later. Seven of those buns are still in the bread drawer. It's like somehow I think magically they're going to become usable again. You know, they're starting to turn colors. They're all stale. I just have to throw them away. I spent my money on food that spoils. That's all he's saying is you have to buy food but after a while, food just goes away. It's, it's, that's what food does. It has, has a shelf life. Why don't you think about working for something with your life that is going to take you into eternity? Another way of saying it, we've used this question before, what are you doing that's going to last forever? That's the real Jesus. So then they asked him, they're like, they're into it because they really are still hungry. What must, we, what must we do to do the works God requires? Like, what do we do so that we get the food? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So he's trying to bring them back to believe in me. You're going to live forever if you believe in me, if you follow me, if you give me your life. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? So they're still stuck. They're stuck. In churchianity. Now, they didn't have churchianity so much back then, but they sort of had a, a form of it too. You read the New Testament, you can, you can see it. It's about me. 
about me. It's about being a spectator. Jesus wanted so much to give them a bigger vision, to give them a bigger hope, and, and yet they were just stuck. Did you ever stop and think what Jesus wants from me? And you can tell a lot. You can tell a lot about a person by what they agonize over. What do you agonize over? I once sat down and said, I think this is what I agonize over. I agonize over the church being the church it can be. I agonize over trying to get the right people in the right places for the greatest impact in ministry. I agonize over getting messages right. I agonize over learning to love the way God loves. But there are a couple things I don't agonize over. I don't agonize over God's faithfulness. I don't agonize over God's direction. There's something that can happen to every athlete, every human being. It's the instinct to slack off, to give in to the pain, to give less than your best. Church isn't a spectator sport. Church isn't about me. Church isn't about dwelling on flaws. Church isn't about low expectations. Church isn't about blockades and fuzzy maps. A Christian's purpose is not to arrive safely in death, but to have an insatiable desire to live every day like it is the first and last day of your life. Bob Goff tweeted this the other day, and I said, bam, that's my definition of discipleship right there. And I've seen a lot of definitions of discipleship, and a lot of them are, are very good, but they're very highly developed. Bam, this is the one that I'm going to carry around with me. Love never leaves us where it found us. My definition of discipleship. Love never leaves us where it found us. In other words, God found you at some point in your life. God found you. He's not going to leave you there. He's going to take you somewhere. He's going to take you to, to work for something that's going to last forever. He's going to take you into something that has to do with a future that he's creating. Then, then I said, well, i got to put my definition of vision in there too. So here's my definition of vision. Discipleship, love never leaves us where it found us. Vision. I've seen a lot of stuff about vision, but here it is. Five words. Love does whatever it takes. And you put those together. Love never leaves us where it found us. And love does whatever it takes. And with the real Jesus that you believe in, you will change the world might just be a little corner of the world. But you will change the world because you were here. Which is why I say everyone connected to ministry and mission. Everyone looking like Jesus. How are you connected to ministry and mission today? How are you looking like Jesus today? And then how's that going to look tomorrow because you have this insatiable desire to be who the real Jesus wants you to be. If your why is persistent, 
you will get it. If your why is consistent, you will keep it. Find your why. And don't give up. Never give up. So what would God say to us? What would God say to the church and to you and to me? I think it's a simple question. Am I your why? Am I your why? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we've got all these big holes in our lives and holes in our pants and the wind is blowing through and and you've called us to something so much bigger, so much grander. Father, give us the the vision that writes the future on people's hearts. Give us the passion to live every day for the Jesus who is real and who calls us to a great calling, to great opportunities to become together, the church moving toward the kingdom. Oh, Father, allow us to hear your voice today that we might know that you are our why. In Jesus' name, amen.